just get there we go now we are here we're on audio we're on video and we're continuing to read from hope on the tightrope keep covering the cornell west i found this book among my um stuff um my ex-wife had bought me this when we were still together because i was a easy person to buy gifts for any book um i mostly read non-fiction but any book would do we're going to talk today about what he says about freedom oh you might notice i'm at a different angle my back is really having problems i'm not sure what's wrong with it but um i had surgery on my back before this is my lower back i had surgery on my neck and spine um, but the thing is, if I have to have surgery on it again, I'm by myself, so I really can't, so there's almost no point in really going <laughs> to the doctor, but I think it's a pull muscle, because when I'm well rested, it's fine, but it's been bothering me, and I haven't had a time to really let it heal, I haven't had a time to really, like, take two days off straight and lay, because by myself, so, I do the best I can. So, I'm sitting down here more comfortable. So, I have the computer down. Um, so, that's why the angle looks a little different. Uh, I don't have that light over there on. Eh, looks good enough. Let's go with it. Freedom. Because a lot of people are confused what freedom is so we need to start thinking about what it means not that Cornel West knows all the answers but we need to start getting some definitions <clears throat> water oh man freedom there is a moral substance in the fact that the human will can make the future different and possibly better. To deny death is to deny history, reality, and mortality. We're most human when we bury our dead. When we stand before the corpses of our loved ones, forced to bring together three dimensions of, of past, of time, I'm sorry, past, present, and future. In talking about cultural freedom, we have to talk seriously about the various forms of death in our midst, past, present, and future. This allows us to do what? To become more alive, to think more critically, maybe be more compassionate, maybe even muster the courage to want to sacrifice for something bigger than us. I come from a particular tradition of struggle. My people have been on intimate terms <clears throat> with the constant threat of social death. No legal status, no social standing, no public value. You are only a commodity to be bought and sold. If you don't come to terms with death in that context, there's no way you can live physically and culturally because the rights and privileges that your fellow human beings of European descent had access to were stripped from you. Well, we had value. Our bodies were valuable. 
And our bodies are still valuable, but not as valuable as before. Our bodies were as valuable as oil. We maybe be second because the black body holds up the prison industrial complex, law enforcement. For the most part, law enforcement, especially on the local level, is only police and black folks. Um, the 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 pre prisons, which is the school public school systems. It's a lot of money in, in black bodies in that. Although everybody, a lot of people go to public school, but there's a lot more money that comes into a black public school because it's usually not a good school. So it's all kinds of programs attached to it. Special ed, in-school suspension, extra counselors. So all of that has made us valuable. Sports what we do with our bodies, what they banging up against each other um, in football and running around in basketball. So our bodies are still worth a good amount. You remember Malcolm X's technical definition of a nigger. He said a nigger is a victim of American democracy. That was his formulation. It sounds oxymoronic. How can there be victims of American democracy? Well, there have been. Jeffersonian democracy pushed back black uh, black folk further back and consolidated slavery. Poor whites in the South moved to the center. However, our American Indian brothers and sisters have been the ultimate victims of American democracy. Even today, American democracy is expanding for certain folk and curtailed for others. Yet, the irony is that only more democracy can improve the plight of the victims of American democracy. Many people feel they no longer have to work or sacrifice. Why? Because the big money can be achieved right now. For some it is. For some it is mostly people whose parents are wealthy. If you view yourself as part of a freedom-fighting tradition, part of those who live with their backs against the wall... You actually become willing to live and die for that struggle. This is why forms of intellectual weaponry become crucial. Because you can begin to understand that what you're up against is easily a question of life and death. The real danger is that traditions of freedom fighting will slowly be surely but surely disappear. And our culture of consumption is pretty much gone. The very possibility of different a different future, the very possibility of a sense of hope for a society that's better than the present one will slowly but surely wane. In that kind of society, I'm not willing to live. So, basically, to me, this is me, Tim speaking. That that um, freedom fighting. That's gone. In the, black, in the black tradition, it's gone. Most black people are just not interested. They're not stupid. They know what politics is. All this talk about we need political education, we need political... No, black people know what it is. It's just not interested. And you're not going to make them interested. And no amount of organizing is going to make them interested. Um, we have to create alternative institutions and systems. And... 
if they don't choose death over those things, the alternatives, then they'll be there for them. And hopefully do it before we die. But we should do it digitally like this, make, create, put our work on platforms for them to use it so that for those young ones who want to come up and use it or some people who wake up at the last minute. Back to the reading. I think highly of the pacifist tradition in Christendom. I do not agree with it. I'm not persuaded by it. But I think respect is due. I do not think Christian pacifists will ever have the kind of impact on history that many of them profess to have. Yet, I respect their views. So when I hear Archbishop Tutu and many others argue for nonviolence, I respect them. One should be principled on principled ground, attempt to exercise and realize all forms of nonviolent resistance before one even remotely considers the discussion of violent resistance and armed struggle. One must examine the history of a country carefully and see what the possibilities there have been for nonviolent resistance and what impact nonviolent resistance has had. If we, in fact, discover that nonviolent resistance in its most noble form has been crushed mercilessly by the rulers, then it raises the possibility of forced engagement in armed struggle. Indeed, this is no way alien to the Christian tradition. On the other hand, one should never view armed struggle as a plaything. One should not romanticize or idealize it at all. On the contrary, one should carefully and thoroughly think through whether it can be the impact and effectiveness that one desires. As freedom fighters, we've got to become much like the jazz women and men and jazz men. Fluent and flexible and protean, open to a variety of different sources and perspectives. Black people's deep memory of history is a legacy of catastrophe. It's the slave ship and the body swinging from the tree. It's the disgraceful school systems and being taught to hate ourselves. America's concept of history is that of a chosen people, a city on the hill where the sun is always shining. Therefore, black people's conception of memory is that of trauma, whereas the mainstream conception of memory is that is this progress of every generation toward a more perfect union. If your conception of history is one of catastrophe and your conception of memory is one of trauma, the only counter movement against catastrophe and trauma is never forgetting the catastrophe and yet still attempting to triumph. You have to highlight what psychologists, spiritual, cultural, political, and economic resources people had if you're going to deal with the the catastrophic solution. You go to the spiritual, for example, during slavery. That's how in part black people were able to get over. How did they love each other? By believing that God could love them through song. Sometimes the people singing didn't even believe in God, but they knew it was empowering anyway. This is America. We crushed Jim Crow Sr. and legalized segregation. American terrorism and lynching 
but we know we still live with Jim Crow Jr. today in terms of de facto segregation, where people live, who they associate with, who they, who they associate with, who they socialize with, which press they read, there is still a sense that black people live in a variety of different world, a, ver a very different world, excuse me, than the white mainstream, which is to say we live in both worlds. We read the New York Times and the Washington Post. Very few white brothers and sisters read the Amsterdam News. They don't read Ebony. They don't read Jet. So I'll leave it there. We'll pick up there on Sunday and keep talking about freedom. Freedom is very important. And um, hope on the tightrope. But maybe I'll do some other. I have my. I don't know if it's out, but my. Uh, Dictionary of Theories, and we'll talk about freedom. And maybe my Dictionary of Psychology, we'll talk about freedom. We'll talk about different kinds of freedom. Maybe that's what we'll do next um, next week. Um, do freedom, or at least on Monday. We'll do a show where we just do freedom. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Go through all my dictionaries and give an example of freedom. Um, so... You can support the podcast and the, the YouTube channel by hitting the links. You can support them by giving directly. Or you can support them by uh, becoming a sponsor. Until next time, take care of yourselves and be safe.